Here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all, it's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Is there triumph in this house this morning? Are you understanding who Jesus Christ is? Can you give him a praise because he's given you breath? He's given you life. Look at your neighbor and say, he's given me you. God, just look at your neighbor and just say that. We have so much to be thankful for. But if we look this way, we'll be defeated. If we look this way, we're triumphant. Amen? And when we look this way, something changes in us. So then when we look this way, we have the one who loves us and cares for us. And, and the one says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Come on, give him some praise because it's promised the truth. Look at someone say, Happy New Year. I guess everybody's spending their first year in bed this morning. <laughs> Well, you know, it's the first Sunday of the year, and uh, can you believe that? Boy, 2024, let's ask God for more. Let's have a heart to say, God, I, I want more. I want more. I want so much more. And so, um, and so that being said, I'm, I'm actually finishing a project that I've been working on for a year and a half. I think I'll finish it in another month. And... Uh, and that takes me too long to do this project, but I want so much more. How many want more from Jesus? Come on now, huh? I'm telling you what, you know what? As you get hungry and you continue to ask God and let him shape you and make you, I, I, I'm going to take three Sundays to focus on a way of thinking. I think so many of us believers today are defeated because of the way we think. How we think is what we do. What we do is because of how we think. Amen? And so if we realize who God really is, if, he, if we really knew who he really is, would we live the way we're living? Just think about that for a second. 
Or would we live differently? Would we spend our time differently? Would we invest differently in how we do what we do? When we do something for the Lord, will we do it with all our heart, mind, and soul? Give God our best and let him do the rest. Amen? So I pray that over the next three weeks before we, where this, year's got a, this year is either going to be a transform, or transformation here or, well, we're going to be in trouble. But this is a lot of things coming down the line, and we're going to need your participation. We're going to need your hands to the plow. Amen? Now look at someone and say, he's talking directly to you. Just tell him that. He's talking directly to you. And then call someone up today. If they're not here this morning, say, hey, the pastor was talking about you this morning. Let's go before Father. Father, we're so grateful for who you are, and we're so grateful because of who you are and what you do. We have a lot to celebrate, Lord. You've given us another year, and Father, we are grateful for that. But Father, we don't just want to live day to day in survival mode, getting through mode, uh, but we want to live to the fullest in which the life you have given unto us. And so Lord, will you help us to focus on the priorities, not the minorities? Not the things that are minor, but the things that are major. Uh, Father, I just pray right now, help us. Give us a fresh mind, fresh perspective as we focus on you and you alone. Not, Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, we can do nothing but with you. All things are possible. And so, Lord, as we now worship you in spirit and truth, will you do a work in our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's give God some praise. Let's lift up our hearts and let's honor him. Amen. Good morning. Blessed New Year, 2024. Come on, let's say it. God, do more. Come on, do more. Well, I don't know about you, but that's a little bit where my heart is, asking God, God, I don't want to just be a saying. I really want to have an expectation in it. And so I've been thinking for some time now, like, how can I encourage people? Some of you are older. Some of you are younger. Uh, the thing I see sometimes with people who are older, they're like, your best years are behind you. And I, 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 wanna, I want you to fight that. I want you to fight that, that aspect that you think that, uh, thank you so much. Uh, come here, Aaron, come here. Yeah. No, this is my son. I love him. Oh. Just... Thank God for just my son. God, just thank God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. thank you, son. He's a big help. And um, one of the things about living life is we have to ask ourselves, Lord, am I living life with the right thinking? Because there's so many things in life that throws us off. You know, has it ever happened to you? You are happy. Things are going great. Something just wonderful took place. And then all of a sudden... Something happens, and it seems to challenge your joy factor. How many have ever had that happen? You had a high, woo, and then all of a sudden something happens, and it seems to take it all away. What helps us to keep where we need to be? How many ever heard of CPR? Hmm? Yeah. CPR is a first aid uh, Method that if someone is drowning or someone has a heart attack and their heart stops, then uh, we do this cardiopulmonary resuscitation thing and we do pumps on their chest 
And some people say you don't have to breathe, but I like the breathing part still for some reason. And you give them breath, and then you do so many pumps, and you try to keep the circulation in the body going, and it hopefully can do some good until medical uh, help comes. You know, there's three Ps to first aid. Three Ps to first aid. The first one, it, it preserves life. It prevents deterioration, and it promotes recovery. That's what first aid does. First aid is just the first thing to get some help, to get some stability, to stable the patient, to, to get things going. And because if nothing happens, things are going to go down. And sometimes, sometimes, I don't know about you, but here's the big question. Why is it, why is it that people of God go through things and they lose their joy for God? They lose their faith in God. Uh, they get so discouraged because of a problem in their life that they no longer have a drive to get to know the one they love him. And what happens is they, start, they just start to backslide. God doesn't seem to be very important anymore. Now, nothing's changed at all. God is still God. He's still God. But the way we think and the way we process our problems, process our afflictions, process our pain, process the things that drain us, now that's where our faith is affected. And I want you to understand that when a heart is not beating in the rhythm with God, your heart's on a rhythm. Now, that's not really the right heartbeat, for, but I mean, you get my point. It's a rhythm. When your heart gets off rhythm, it affects the whole body. Your body no longer functions. It no longer does what it's supposed to do. It doesn't feel right. I mean, all kind of, because the rhythm of your heart gets off. And the reason why the rhythm of your heart gets off is because something has happened to affect the rhythm. The rhythm, and that happens spiritually, that something affects our rhythm in God. It could be a problem, it could be a situation, a circumstance, and all of a sudden, life is different. Uh, and, we, and then when life is different and we're not resolving things, then we come up with excuses. And before we know it, the relationship that was really good is not really a relationship that's really good anymore. Because time is what causes relationships to further be good. Time. Love is not just, love is, love is not the issue. It's time given that exhibits love. Love is produced because of the time invested, the care invested, the actions that is invested that causes love to increase. Everybody say amen on that. It's not just a word. I want you to look at this very um, uh, powerful portion of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto thy own understanding. Stop. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. But we always lean on our own understanding and we do not trust the Lord. It goes on to say, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Meaning God says, I want you to trust me even when it doesn't make sense. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Don't just see life the way you see it. Fear the Lord and shun evil. And then I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you, child. That's what the Lord would say. Verse 8, this will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. 
Look at your neighbor and say, God has some better things for you. Come on, tell him. John 1, John 14, 1 says this. Let not your heart be troubled when problems come, and they're going to come. Look at your neighbor and say, problems are going to come. Come on, just tell them. We live in a faulty world. It's broken. People do things wrong, and it affects other people. There's all kind of things taking place. This is not heaven. We are not the citizenship of this dirt ball called earth. Amen. But while we're here, God has a mission for us to accomplish, and it's not about us. It's all about him. Come on now. And so I want you to look at this. This is a promise of God. I love this. Isaiah 41 says this, verse 10. Fear not, I am with you. Someone say, I am with you. I know, you're in church. I got that, yeah. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a promise. So when you go into a new year, no matter what a new year brings, you've got to remember the promise of God right here in Isaiah. From Proverbs. Love Proverbs. Here's another thing I want to tell you. So many people, how many of you celebrated hidden pans and pop big and make a lot of baloney, noise, fireworks on New Year's? How many of you? Come on. How many of you make a big deal? You, you just, boy. <laughs> nah. I thought I was bad. Okay, how I see one hand. Yeah, see, I'm not really like one who goes crazy about making noise for a new year. If I do anything on that night, I'm celebrating the year I just had because I made it through. <laughs> I don't know what my next year holds, but I'm thanking God for what he did last year. I'm thanking that he brought me through. His faithfulness, his promises have done so many things. I'm grateful for what God has done. I'm not going to celebrate a new year because I don't know, no, not sure what's happening in a new year, but I'm going to celebrate my today. Amen. Now, if you celebrate New Year's, you go ahead, man. I will watch you and celebrate right with you. Back in Hawaii, when they celebrate New Year's, oh, my word, they know how to celebrate. Fireworks, it's like 4th of July, but on steroids. Literally. I mean, fireworks are everywhere. The sky is lit up big time. It's a lot of fun. So here's a big question I have for you. What happens when God's word is not read and there's no communication in prayer with the Spirit of God? That means there's no nutrition and there's no strength. So if you feel like you come to a point where you feel like you have no nutrition and no strength, it's because you have spent no time with God. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, For all scripture is God-breathed. That's what happens. It's God's breath goes into your, into your body, into your spirit. And is used for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So when you evade yourself, when you avoid the word of God, don't complain that things are not taking place in your life. You haven't spent any time with God. And when things don't happen the way you want them to happen, don't complain it's all God's fault because you're not building that relationship. It's about relationship. Look at someone who says it's about relationship. But there is one way that we can live God and be revived daily with God's promises. No matter what pains come our way, no matter what pain comes our way, disappointment come our way, no matter what pressures come our way, no matter what problems or people, what they may say, 
I want you to take this scripture for the next three weeks. I want you to memorize it. And I'm going to test you on the third week. This is what I like you to memorize. This was the Apostle Paul's life verse. This is one of my life verse. I have a couple. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. Important note by itself. It is no longer I that liveth, but Christ that lives in me. Get this. And the life I now live. Someone say now live. I live in the flesh and live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now watch this. This is important. If you can get this in your heart, no matter what problem, whatever situation, whatever circumstance, whatever hardship comes your way, if you can get this in you, you're going to be able to do the CPR living every single day of your life. We're going to look at the life of Daniel in three perspectives and where he carried the CPR living. Daniel, to me, he's, man, I love Daniel. I love Moses. I love a lot of people. I love Paul the Apostle. Uh, these are individuals that didn't have easy lives. It was difficult. And yet they seem to come in such a way. And here's the Apostle Paul. And he's like, I have been crucified with Christ. And like this, I no longer live in the life I live. I now live in Christ. I live because of Christ. My whole life is for Christ. So I want you to get that deep in your heart. So let's take a journey today. And let's look at this. I want you to keep this in mind. I just want you to go CPR. Anybody knows. But I want you to understand. I want you to be consistent in your actions. That means consistent in your prayer. Consistent in your attendant places that you can build your faith. Consistent in your Bible reading. Consistent in encouraging people. Consistent in the things that God asks you to do. You have to be. If you, love does. Amen. That's why Jesus did. We have to be consistent in our action persistent in our drive, which I love that one, and resistant to setbacks. If we can honestly get this in us, be consistent, persistent, and resistant, no matter what comes our way, because Daniel's life, and just we're using Daniel for these next three weeks, shows us, and his three friends, shows you how, if they did it, you could do it. Look at your neighbor and say, if they could do it, you could do it. Come on, just tell somebody. People say, well, it was easy for them to do it, you know. No, no, stop, stop giving excuses. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Is that true or not? So if that's true and God says he's in you, he's with you, he's for you, then why are we looking at a different perspective? Why are we looking at the negative side? Why are we looking at woe is me? Why is it like I can't? It's not that you can't. Sometimes you won't. There's a big difference. There's a lot of things that you people say, I can't do that. No, no, no. You choose not to do it. I'm done. I don't even put that vocabulary in my lane. I really don't. But let's go on. And let's, let's look at the first portion of Scripture from Daniel chapter 1. Let's look at verse 1 through 7. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylon, came to Jerusalem to besiege it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of God in Babylon and put in the treasure house of his God. The king ordered Aspenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and nobility. 
Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine for the king's table. They were to be trained for, here we go, say it, three years. Three years! Three years. And after that, they were to enter into the king's service. So let's, let me give you a little breakdown. The man Daniel and his friends and many others were taken during the captivity when Babylon came and conquered Jerusalem, conquered the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had been destroyed already by the Assyrians because why? The Israelites would, would, were doing terrible things with their babies. They were killing their babies. They were allowing all the false gods. They were not following God. So God says, well, okay, since you know what you're supposed to do, these nations don't because they don't know me. You want to offer your babies to Moloch and have them just burned to death. God brought judgment upon the northern kingdom, hoping that the southern kingdom would see this and shape up. They were a little bit better than the northern kingdom, but no, they fell in the same suit. And so the southern kingdom started to deny the things of the ways of God, didn't listen to the prophet, persecuted the prophets, and judgment after judgment after judgment. And finally, there's a time coming. This is the first invasion by Babylon, but there's going to become an invasion where Babylon is eventually going to tear down the temple, fulfill what Jesus said when he was on earth, and just bring total destruction. Because the prophets, he said that he was going to destroy the temple. And he destroyed it a couple times. And so I just want to know that here's Babylon comes in on, I think, the third or the fourth time, I think a third time, comes in and destroys it. But this is the first time, on the first time, Daniel is taken and a bunch of others as slaves captive into a country, a strange country that they know no language, they know nothing, and so they are pulled apart, and they are set apart now, and they are in a very bad situation. Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah are the three, four individuals we'll be talking along these next three weeks. I want you to get something about this that these, what would you be if all of a sudden you were conquered and thrown into a different country? Totally strange, because this is exactly what happened to Daniel, but I want you to understand how he responded. If people, people don't realize, you've got to put yourself in there and say, wait a minute, if he could do this and he had a relationship with his God, then what can I do with a relationship with my God? Hello, someone say amen. Because sometimes we want to give ourselves excuses, but the reality is, that there's no excuse except the one you give yourself. And so I want to talk about this today. The first one is consistent in our actions. God wants you to be consistent in your actions. Now, how many of you can be consistently doing something wrong? <laughs> Come on, right? How many of you can, man, we have no problem doing the bad habits. How many of you know I shouldn't eat this Sunday, but boy, I'm going to eat it anyhow. How about during the holidays? I know I shouldn't eat these cookies, but I'm going to eat them anyhow. You know, I broke during the holidays in a bad way, and a couple days I lived on sugar, which, of course, affected my whole body. Because it hurts your immune system. Sugar's not a friend to your body. Hello, hello. 
Am I disappointing someone out there? It's not. It's not a real friend to your body. And um, nevertheless, we wouldn't put uh, salt in our gas tank, right? Of course not. We wouldn't put sand in our gas tank. No, but we put all kind of stuff in our body, and we think it's okay. And we expect the body still to be okay with it. Well, my body caught up with me. And um, nevertheless, I learned a real big lesson, a lesson I already knew, but I guess I had to learn it again. So we can be consistent in doing wrong. We, we, might, we might have a piece of pie, and we said it was a small sliver. How many have ever done that and come back three minutes for another small sliver? Come back for another 10 minutes for another small sliver. And can you believe it? I can't believe I ate the whole thing. And so we can be consistent in a lot of things. We can be consistent in good things and bad things. We want to focus on good things because, you know, that's what we're all about. But let's, let's ask for a couple things. Are you consistent in having wrong attitudes, bad attitudes, uh, wrong actions? Are you consistent in lashing out at people because you're having a bad day so you make everybody pay around you? Do you use your words to hurt uh, do you have actions that more self about, it's all about you? You're more selfish about, I want this, and not thinking about the other person? Uh, are, you have bad, are you consistent in having, uh, consistent in doing wrong by not forgiving people, so you're carrying unforgiveness, or, or giving excuses for your bad action? Well, you know, I can't help it. It's kind of like who I am. That's an excuse. You just gave yourself, you know, uh, an excuse. Our excuses can add up. And so we want to ask yourself, be consistent in our actions, but our actions must be the right actions. Someone say right actions. And your control of the right actions, it's not what they do to you. It's how you respond to it. The problem is not the problem. It's my response to the problem that becomes my biggest problem. So it's not because, of, well, look what they did, and that's because I, well, that's an excuse. You see, we can be consistent in doing wrong, but because of Jesus was consistent in showing us how to live while he was on earth and giving us his gospel and giving us his word, we should know how to do what we need to do. Write this down. This will help you. One who is committed is one who is connected. If you're going to be committed to God, you're going to be connected to God because the things that we connect to, we're committed to. One who is connected is one who is consistent. Because you're committed and you're connected, you're going to be consistent in your actions. You're going to be consistent in your ways. You're going to be consistent in your thinking. You're going to be consistent. Why? Because you're committed. You're committed to God. It's the things of God are important. And because of that, you're connected to God because you see his importance. You see his divine. You see his importance in your life. And therefore, you're going to be consistent in the in is one who will carry out the commands and the work of the Lord. It's all connected. See, if you're going to be committed to God, you're going to be connected. And then if you're connected, you're going to be consistent in your actions. But if you're not connected to God, you're not committed to God, you're not going to be connected to God. And how can you be consistent if you don't have the right stuff that's supposed to be there? The word of God needs to be consumed on a regular basis. I, I've, been in, uh, I've been pastoring for a long time now, uh, which we say is a long time, but it's, compared to eternity, it's, it's, it's not time at all. But, you know, for 30-something 30, 30 years, uh, 
34, 35, whatever it is. And that's a long time to be doing one particular thing. But if I forsake the word of God, the same thing will happen to me if I don't commit to what I'm doing. If I don't live my life committed and connected, then I'm not going to be consistent in my ways. You see the difference? People want the results, but they don't want to be consistent. I want this to take place. This is what I want, but they don't do what you need to do in order to do what you want to see done. So you've got to be committed, you've got to be connected, and then you'll find you'll be consistent. And consistentness, then you'll carry out the commands of the Lord. And it's a process that takes place in our heart and life. Look at Daniel now, who we'll continue in the narrative. So Daniel now, of course, is a um, Daniel is a slave, and he's under now teaching for three years. And there comes a problem. And the problem is this, verse 8. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to define himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I am afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. What happened here is that Daniel was now a slave in a foreign land. He's now under a three-year training process to re renew his mind, renew his thinking, to get the whole, his past out of his vessel and get the whole Babylonian culture in him. That's why you change your name, you change your destiny. You know, name is very important. And so that's what the whole three-year process, it was a, a whole way of getting rid of his whole past so he could get on a whole new Babylonian culture. However, Daniel was committed to his God. He was truly, truly consistent in his living for his God. And here now, the problem is, that he says here, I don't want to defile myself. He didn't want to defile himself with the food. Matter of fact, the best of food he was receiving from the king's table. But the problem was that most likely these animals were not drained and the, weren't, um, they weren't uh, slaughtered right. They were probably strangled, not bled right. And they were offered to idols. And so he did not want to define himself with the association with taking of this food. And so he went to the leader and gave him this task. And this is a really interesting task. He did, he did not want to defile himself. He didn't want to eat something that, according to the law, would be wrong. Of course, he would not eat pig at that time, according to the law. And so, and most likely, that was probably on the menu. Um, he didn't want to make himself unclean and disobedient because he had a relationship. He was consistent. Now, this is important. This is important. Daniel would not eat meat from the royal table because of three reasons. Because they were unclean beasts. They were forbidden the Jewish law. Because they were strangled and not properly bled. And because... He wanted nothing to do with the, the gods that were in the land. He, was, he wanted to abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, this is the key. 
Before Daniel and his friends could be consistent in their actions in Babylon, they had to be consistent in their action at home. Did you get that? So if you want your life to change, if you really want to bring change to your life, my question is, are you doing it right now? Because when problems come, it's not, not, that's not the time to change things. The reason why Daniel could be consistent is because this is who he was. He was just being himself, just in a different country. If I put you over here to a bunch of people who are not believers, what would happen to you? Would you still be a believer? It, it, it sort of like reminds me, I was a, with a group of politicians one time, and I knew one politician, and then I saw him get to another with other politicians, and I saw him change. He wasn't the same guy that I kind of knew a little bit from what I, he just, because of his surrounding now, all of a sudden, he kind of went along with all the others and stuff. He didn't stand out anymore, and he should have. You see, consistentness is like gravity. Gravity, no matter what, this thing's going to fall. Gravity. It's so consistent. You can count on it every single time. Tim, because of gravity, generators fall. <laughs> gravity, consistent. We have to be consistent in our actions. Most of us know how we should treat people. Most of us know how we should care for people. Most of us understand that we are to be looking for our one. God has called us to go and be salt and light. And are we really being consistent in the ones that are important to us? Who are they? Each one of these names in this bowl. Are important people but are we consistent in our actions it's one to say that I want that person to come to the Lord Jesus Christ it's one thing to say I want that person to grow in Jesus Christ but my question is you're consistent in your action what are you doing to help that to make it happen one person cannot do everything but many people can do many things amen and if everybody does one person what a difference Daniel was the same, and his friends were the same where they were. And even though they were slaves and they were brought to a different country, they were still persistent in their action. They wasn't the same. And because they knew who they were before, they decided to live the life where they needed to do. So someone say, consistent in my actions. The next is you've got to be persistent. And this is where some of us drop off a little bit, persistent in our drive. 11 says this. Daniel. Daniel then said to the God whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat of the royal food and treat your servant in accordance with what you see. This is really important. So he agreed. To this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the God took away their choice food and their wine, and they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. I don't know about you, but here was Daniel faced with a problem. He was still consistent to who he was. And what he was persistent, not to just leave it be. Well, what am I going to do? I'm in a strange land. I just meant to give up. 
No, he had he came up with an idea. He approached the, 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 the steward who was over him and said, hey, listen, uh, we, we don't want to defile ourselves with this meat. Just give us vegetables. And I tell you what, just give a test for 10 days, and if we don't look better than the rest of the people, then, then you can forget about it. We'll eat, we'll, we'll eat what you give us. I want you to understand something. They were persistent. They didn't just give in. So many times people say, what could I do? We, we just give ourselves plenty of excuses. Well, I love the spirit about Daniel. He didn't just give in. He, he said, I'm not going to define myself. There's got to be a way. And he thought of a way. And he said, give a test. And he was dependent on the Lord that the Lord would answer them. And the Lord did answer them. Daniel's friends chose not to eat the best foods. There are so many other people who could have been followers of the Lord, but when they would have probably saw the food, probably would have yielded themselves just because, hey, you know, they say, do what the, I'm in Rome, and that'll be, do what the Romans do. A chameleon is an, an incredible um, animal, and, and there's fish that do the same thing, and octopuses, they do the same thing. They will change their color of their skin according to their background. And in defense, it's a great thing because their prey cannot see them because they camouflage into their background. But when it comes to Christianity, God does not call chameleons. God is calling soldiers and people of faith to stand up in the midst, to stand in a darkened world and to be a light. Not to be the same, just to mold in with a bunch of people. And yet, and yet, say, yeah, I'm a believer. And, and there's so many times I hear people meeting people, and they've been working with each other for 15 years, and one day they say, yeah, I'm a believer. And the guy says, I never even knew that. Why? Because he never shared that. You never keep the important things to your heart, secret, because if you do, it really shows the character you are. You do not have a character of what's important. Because the things that are important show you who you are. No matter where I go, I am who I am. You won't see me change. I mean, I've been with the best and the worst. Trust me. The poorest and the richest. Still the same. That's exactly what God wants from all of us. Just be who you are. Be persistent, though, and not just giving in and giving up. Choose, they chose to sacrifice the good food because honoring God was greater. The word honor lately has really been hitting me pretty heavily because of a whole bunch of things. And um, it's just really, really, it's something about honor. You know, to honor God and to you know, honor those who deserve honor. It's so important. Look at this portion of scripture found in Psalms 19. Look what it says, verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making the wise simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant given light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure, altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. I, I, I give you the scripture to understand that 
Daniel and his three friends understood that to honor the Lord was more important than eating of the, the best fruit, the best meat, the best whatever that the king had from the king's table. They saw something greater. It was to honor God. Let me ask you a question. Do you live your life with the aspect of saying, I want to honor God in everything that I do and everything I say? You've got to at least start off with the desire to do that. If there's no desire to do that, there's never going to be any fruits from the tree because there's no desires to see it happen. People want God to do all this and all that, protect me, bless me, help me, go before me, Lord, I need, I need. But yet I always say, what part do you play in the equation of this relationship? God doesn't want us to be his child by name. He wants us to be his child by content and relationship. That's what God wants from all of us. So we need to be we need to be consistent in our actions. We need to be persistent in the drive we live life at. I don't know about you, but, you know, as you get older, as you get older, uh, you see life a little different. How many would understand that a little bit, like, as you get older? And as you, you get older, you're, like, saying, you know, if you only had so long to live, would you live your life differently? in the little bit of time to live. Think about this now, think. If someone said to you, you only had three weeks to live, what would you do in those three weeks? Because what you do in those three weeks would tell me what you see as important. Because if you say it's important to you, then you're gonna be doing it. But I'm gonna ask you if you would do it in those three weeks, but you're not doing it now, you need to evaluate what's important and what's a priority in your life. Because in all honesty, we only have one life to live. And once it's done, it's done. And we need to really ask ourselves, are we, are we truly consistent in our actions, Lord? Do, are we pleasing? Second, second, are we persistent or do we just give up and just give excuses for ourselves? Or do we really understand this part here? Understanding the test. There's a test. There's a test in every aspect of life. There's always a test. Here's the test that they brought before the Lord. They were willing to believe the Lord for something because it didn't look very good. But he was persistent and made a way and gave a test. Give us 10 days. 10 days. Just give vegetables to eat, water to drink. That's it. You know, it kind of shows you that, you know, vegetables are good for you. So if you don't eat in your spinach, maybe you ought to. One of the many vegetables. I know peas are a vegetable, um, but I won't eat them. <laughs> Let's move on. Persistent faith. They were willing to believe God would take care of them. That's what persistent faith is. It's believing God in the midst when things are tough, because sometimes things get tough. But it's what we do in those tough times that determine whether our character will grow, or our faith will grow. It's always in our actions. So they were willing to be persistent, to believe God, that God would take care of them. Number two, they were, they were willing to honor God and not eat the food that was sacrificed to idols or strangled they wanted to obey the law of God at that time 
in the strange land that nobody else would even think was even cool or kosher. Well, you're strange. Why not? That's dumb. That's what people say. Anytime they don't understand it, that's stupid. That's dumb. Not for me. But that's okay. That's okay. You have to understand what is it for you. Number three, they were willing to hold to their beliefs in a different country and surrounding. They were not afraid. Here it goes. Here's the big one. Here's the big one. They were not afraid to be different. Do you know you don't have to be who you're trying to be? How many times people are trying to be something that you're not? God called you in all your flops and even your failures. God called you. Someone say, praise the Lord. He didn't call the person next to you. He called you. He knows all about you. More than you know about yourself, but he called you. So don't try to be like everybody else. When I'm with people in my last year with all my fishing and all meeting all these people and stuff like this, man, I am who I am. I'm not afraid to be different. When they challenged me about God giving me a big fish on my line, they would go to church. I prayed out loud. Right there. I said, really? You go to church if I catch a big fish? I said, Lord, some of the guys came up to me and said, I don't think we should have made that prayer with you. We don't think we should have made that bet with you. And I caught this massive fish. I've never caught a fish this big on my line like it did to me that day. Never, ever. I am so looking forward to this season. I am so looking forward. I'm already getting ready. I really am. And I'm praying for a bigger fish because I have the big fish coming in, a couple, in another month and a half. It's going to be hanging on my wall. But the fish I got was bigger, and the way I knew is because I had no control of this guy whatsoever, and all this guy did was take out line. And everybody was looking at me, and they're going, wow, because all you heard was and it didn't stop. And I'm tightening up on my dragon. I can't turn him, and he's still taking a line. I'm thinking he's going to spool me. I was so excited. But no, I didn't bring it in. So disappointed. I was really upset with God that night. Oh, boy, was I. But it all worked out in so many ways. God worked it out. But nevertheless, God put this huge fish on my line, and I was happy with the one I already caught. You, you catch a fish, 48, 49 inches, that's a big fish, right? Well, this one I know was in the 50s just because he was in full control. I had no control whatsoever. Now, I want you to understand something. I had to stand up. I stood up and said, God! They said they're going to go to church. If you give me a big fish on my line, God, it will show them that you're in charge of everything. That's exactly what happened. See, I stood. I I was persistent. I didn't let. He's a fanatic. People are embarrassed of me sometimes. You know, don't go with pastor. You got to talk to everybody. That's right. I'm going to talk to everybody because everybody needs help. Someone should have said amen. You missed it. You missed it. (laughs) <laughs> All right, let me, let me land the plane. So you have to be consistent in your approach, and you need to be different and hold on to your belief. And the last one, they were willing to serve God in a land who didn't acknowledge him. And I want to almost say yet, because Babylon and even the king himself is going to have a major encounter with God of all creation. God wants you to be consistent 
in your actions, persistent in your drive, your faith. And the last one is the big one, and this is where we lose it because Daniel didn't lose it here to be resistant to setbacks of those who say it can't be done. There's so many people, when you want to try to do something different, that they, they always want to remind you why you can't do it. You know that's the easiest approach to tell someone it can't be done? I'll be honest with you. You can tell me it can't be done, but I'm not going to swallow it. Matter of fact, I think I'm more, more just the opposite than I've ever been, and it seems to be even more and more to just say, well, if God's a big God, why don't you have a bigger dream? Come on now. What, what kind of dream are you carrying in your heart? If God's a big God, can you have a big dream? Can you? Come on. Come on. But how can you dream something if you don't think about the things you would like to see happen? And you don't think your God of all creation can help you? Man, we fall so short of what God is, of what God desires to do. God uses all things. He does. We don't understand all things, but he uses all things. And because of that, we have to get our eyes back on the one who has the authority of everything in his hands. We need to be resistant to setbacks because setbacks will come 100%. 110%, there'll be somebody or something or something that try to set you back and it will happen right after victory of some sort. I can tell you over and over again of a great victory and then comes some type of challenge. Look what it says here in verse 10. But the officials told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has assigned you food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other men of your age? The king would then have my head because of you. You're asking me, Daniel, to do something for 10 days of the test. But if it don't look good and you don't look good and the king says it, my head is on the line. Daniel, do you understand what you're asking me? But Daniel didn't quit. He was resistant and then came up with a simple test. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate of the royal food. So the God took away their choice food and wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. What do you think happened? It's because one man decided to stand up and to try to be consistent in his, in his ways and, and, and persistent in his drive and resistant to say it can't happen. We can't do that. No, he can't do that. But he, God gave him favor. Look at your neighbor and say, God give you favor. I wish people would really get to understand that God wants to give favor. They chose to believe God. God gave them favor with the officials. They look 10 times, 10 times healthier. Now, don't get, get me wrong here. 10 times healthier. It don't stop there. It don't stop there. Look at this. Um, do I, did I give you this? Let's see here if I gave you that. Yeah, check this out. To these four young men, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of their time, three years, set by the king to bring them in, the chief officials presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom 
and understanding about which king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Someone say better. I don't know if you catch this or not, but in order to get this better, there's something that you and I have to do. We have to do our part. It's called relationship. We need to be consistent in our actions. We need to be persistent in the drive. Why, why are we living here? Uh, we, can, we can gain a whole mansion. Uh, we can have a boat, a fleet of boats. Uh, we can have more money than we do to do with. But after you die, what have you really done for the kingdom? I'm not against riches. God bless you. I pray God bless you so, so blessed in health and riches and everything else. But why have it if you don't do something with it that's going to do something that's going to change spiritual change for kingdom? Life is so short, and we have only so long to make a difference. And it's important that all of us learn to make a difference, to live with a CPR living, to live in consistent actions, persistent in our drive, what we, what's important, what's your values. This year we'll be talking about core values that this church is going to be living by. These are things that are important. This is going to be part of our character or who we are as a body of Christ. Because we're going to need to know what are your core values that you have in your life. What's important to you? What's really important to you? If I said, give me five things that's so important to you in your life, what are they? Because are, do the other people see it? Do they see that consistent in the way you live your life, in your drive? Because what's important to you should be seen by those that surround you. Let me just land the plane. What we do today will affect our tomorrows. I, I, I so often, I'm even starting to journal different now because to be more clear on some things. You see, like, when you look at a whole year, how do you measure if the year was really spiritually growing? How do you measure if it was personally growing? You see, sometimes we live to survive the year. We just want to get through the year. <laughs> if I could just get through it, hallelujah, you know? I think God wants more than that for us. No, 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 I'm going one step further. I believe God wants more than that for you. Life is a gift. I had a person who um, almost checked out. They almost died. And I hear this a lot because, you know, you get a chance to talk to people along the way of different experiences. And they said, my life has never been the same because when I almost checked out, I realized how precious life was and I realized how much, watch this, how much, how much time I was really wasting on things that don't matter. And I said, I hear that so often. But you know what happens? You hear that enough, it starts to get root in you. Now, it's true that I've almost died quite a few times. There's no question about it. But I will tell you this. Life is a gift. And we're not promised, but we are promised things of the Lord. We don't know how long. We don't know the numbers of our days. But we have to ask ourselves, what can I do for the kingdom of God? Starting this year, what can I do for God? And if I'm going to do something for God, am I going to put my hands to the plow and really take it seriously and not take it like just go through the motions? Hello, amen? 
Uh, I didn't hear amen. I should uh, Somebody give me one amen, please, just one. Making the right choice is a process. Let me, let me just end this, and I'll pick up with this next week. Your first step is a choice. Choice paves a road that you're going to travel on. Your choices today are your results tomorrow. Choice comes first. It's always about a choice we make. Choice leads to a commitment from the choice. Commitment will produce a change and of an action, a change that will develop your character, and your character will produce convictions, convictions that are biblical, not preference. Everybody has preference, uh, preference but they're not biblical convictions. They're just something that you, you know, church should be on Sunday night. Uh, church should be, we should have Sunday school. Those are your personal convictions, but there's no way in Scripture you'll ever find those things. It's what we are adapted to and how we have been accustomed to. But when it comes to biblical convictions, Bible study can happen 3 o'clock in the morning. I don't know how many people would show up. It's not about a day or about a time. We make it about that. But it's all about conviction. Biblical convictions produce a way of living that produces, watch this, contentment and strength to the heart and praise that honors God. There's a journey there, right there, journey. I give you this message today, two reasons. One, it's heavy on my heart. This is something that I have been dealing with for four, four, four five weeks now. I had it all done for it last week. And I changed it so many. I spent like a whole day on a message that was already done. Because it's something that's just eating away on the inside of me. And I want you to get this. I want you not just to go through the motions about, I have a relationship with God. Or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. We have so many people who just, they say they have a relationship with God, but they don't. They just don't. They don't have a relationship with God. They have a knowledge of God, not a relationship with God. There's a big difference. And it's up to you and I to challenge every single person so that we can be the best light and the best salt we can be. I'm just challenging you because I want you to be the best that you, God has created you to be. Amen? Come on, stand to your feet with me. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to give a, a challenge to all of us. I want you to just close your eyes right where you are as the worship team comes up. I, I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. And I want you to think about this CPR. CPR is a first aid tactic to bring life back into a body that is not operating correctly. And we need to do the same thing spiritually within us. In the CPR first aid, someone else is performing the task. In our spiritual CPR, we're the ones performing the task out of obedience and about being intentional. We choose to be consistent in our actions. We choose to be persistent in our drive. We choose to be resistant and allow the word of God to uh, do a work in us. It's an it's a inward CPR. While the, the first aid one is something external come upon us. But our spiritual life and our spiritual development is all about us and what we choose to do. On the first Sunday of the year of 2024, 
And I know you guys did this last week, but I'm gonna, I want to bring you all to the front here as a fresh commitment. And so if you can all come to the front here, if you choose want to make a commitment in a fresh 2024, I'm going to have you come and stand before God and say, God, I, I, I can't do this without you. I need you. I need the power of your Holy Spirit. I, I need you, God. We need the power of his spirit. We need God. And you know what? I'm just at that point where I'm just saying that, you know, people, if they're hungry, they have to choose to eat. Each one of you have to choose to eat every single day to get into the word of God. You know, people say, I want to know God. But if you want to know God, then do your part. Open the word of God. See what God will do in you. I don't bite. I may spit. Come closer. I'll try not to spit. <laughs> I, tr I promise I won't, I won't spit. We have a new year, saints. We have a new year. You can do the same thing you did last year, or you can be intentional to say, okay, God, what can I do for the kingdom this year? Every single one of you have giftings, have abilities, but God can't shape those giftings and abilities unless you spend some time in his presence on a continuous basis. And just listen to his voice and listen to his ways. There's a world out there that's dying. The world's going to get more chaotic. It's not going to get better. You haven't seen nothing yet. It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of times and the beginning of chaos. And it won't be too long where it'll be home. It'll be on our soil. It'll be touching our own hearts. It won't be long. So this is a great time to prepare. What's taking place in the world is prophetic. There are so many things. I read something the other day. I'm like, oh, my word. Wow, that's pretty impressive. There are so many things. I want you to know that God wants to do more through you. He wants to do more in you. He wants to build a stronger relationship. He wants you to have a strong. He wants to build stronger marriages. He wants to build stronger people. If we ever needed a time, it's now. It's now. Daniel, Daniel was in a, he was a slave, but yet he never gave up. God was with him no matter what he was going through. We need to be people of tenacity that not, not we ha everything has to be perfect before we have a great day. We got to get that mentality out of the way. It could be a real rough day, but guess what? God still reigns and rules. Amen? I will praise you. Job said, though you slay me, I still will trust you, O Lord. So let's take a moment. I don't want to be long here. I just, I just, I just in my heart, that's all I wanted to do today was just take a moment. Everything happens between his spirit. We're going to invite the spirit of God. I don't know if any of you know anything about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is an empower, is an enabler. He fills us with gifts, and there's many gifts to receive of the Lord. The one thing that the Spirit of God always wants to do in us is he wants to rise up a hunger. Hunger rises up the presence of God, and the presence of God rises up the giftings of God. Because that's what we need. We need to be dependent on the Spirit of God to lead us, empower us, strengthen us, so we can be all that he's called us to be. Close your eyes for a moment. I just want you to have a little talk with Jesus right now of whatever area that you we need God to 
come through whatever hindrance, whatever negative thoughts that you get, whatever what people around you that are always negative in, in any perspective. Um, I just, I, whatever, whatever those things that are pulling you down right now, I want you to take it before the Father. And that this year, this year, to live a CPR life with, to be consistent in the things you do, good things by getting in that word and being with the believers and being in small group and, and, and being in ministry, participating and being active and putting your hands to the plow, being persistent, just continue being persistent. You're there. Problems don't stop you. You're like the mailman, the mailwoman. Continually, continually, it's going to be there. And that, and resistant. Resistant, just not allowing the atmosphere to dictate what you're going to do. Father, I ask right now a fresh, a fresh holy huddle in your name. Lord, as we look unto you and realize we need you. We need a dependence on your power of your Holy Spirit. We need your word in us, God. The word cannot be in us if we're not reading the word on a daily basis. We cannot survive on one meal a week. Father, we need that daily walk with you, that daily meal in you. And I pray, God, right now that we would read our scriptures, not just to say to read the scriptures, but, Lord, to read our scriptures just to know you, God. I pray, Lord, the gnosis of God would fall upon them. Knowledge of God would fall upon your people afresh as they hunger and thirst for your righteousness. I pray this new year, God would be a different than last year I pray it start off in times of prayer and Lord we'll have times of fasting and, and in these times Lord as we continue to seek you Lord we pray that you would touch bodies and heal bodies rise up medical uh, miracles God to show your people that you are that God that all things are possible this is all about you, God, and it's all about relationship. And Lord, may our love for you abound more and more. May it grow, Father. So, Father, we're going to take this moment just to worship you, just to love on you before we carry you wherever we go. I just pray, Lord, that you touch every family here, that you touch every family member within that family member. God, grab hold of their hearts as we become light and salt. And God, I pray that you would just do a work, God. Do a work. And let, let the work start right here within these vessels. God, we bless you. We bless you. We bless you. Well, we thank you for joining us today. Let's continue to believe that God is going to do a work in all of our lives and in his church, despite our current circumstances. If you would like to support the ministry of Salem First Assembly, you can do so by mailing to 430 Route 45, Salem, New Jersey, 08079, or by visiting our website at salemfirstag.org. Please join us for service next Sunday at 10.30 a.m., or you can watch service every Sunday afternoon on Facebook at Salem First Assembly or YouTube at Salem First AG. You can also listen to the message every Tuesday on Podbean. Have a blessed rest of your day. Let's remember to be a blessing and that life is living in faith every day.